Oh, speaking of which, uh, real quick, my wife says to me, do you hear they're remaking Punky Brewster? I said, Punky Brewster? Seriously? Yeah, I, we could look it up later, but yeah, apparently they are. You know, because everything from the 80s absolutely has to come back. Uh, I you mean, watch, 10 years from now, you'll be go and look, bullets are cool again. Shoot the core, cast. Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast to the RF Generation Shmup Club. This is a family-friendly shmup-themed podcast that you'll surely enjoy because we have so many options. I am Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups. And I am Metal Fro from RF Generation, known throughout other parts of the interwebs as the Game Boy Guru. And speaking of RF Generation, we have our community playthroughs. Shout out to the Playcast and their regular monthly playthrough. We also have a great database, which is free. You can catalog your collection, find out about other stuff, and add to the database. And this year, 2019, we are also doing the NES Challenge, where we're going to see if we can beat every Nintendo game that's North American licensed within the year. Please give us a try and join and help us beat the Nintendo Library. Yes, and remember, licensed games only, so don't worry about having to beat Cheetahmen. Or Bubba Bath Babes. <laughs> All right, dur- during the month of May, we played and uh, tried to beat Gradius 3 for Arcade, Super Nintendo, and Super Famicom, PlayStation 2, and PSP. We had a long list of participants for this month. We had Metal Fro, Addicted, Easy Racer, Duke Togo, Zoido, Normatron, Jam Master J, D Tunston, Crab Master 2000, the infamous Vic Viper MK2, Ser Flash, Nefarious Wesh, excuse me, Nefarious Wes, and Pondering Ghost. Yes, and uh, the last three participants there are we're all joining in via Twitter. And you can do that now um, with future playthroughs by tweeting either at me, Game Boy Guru, or at ShootCoreCast, the podcast account, and use hashtag RFGSchmuppClub uh, to help share your scores or give us feedback on the game so that uh, you can kind of tell us about it and then we can include your thoughts in the podcast. Sounds great. I think we should also use the hashtag PewPew. <laughs> for the next playthrough. Alright, for a quick introduction to this game, it was developed and published by Konami, released in the arcades of December 1989, which is not where most people remember it. But we'll get into that in just a second here. The full title of the game, well, I'm going to leave this pronunciation to you because I butcher it beyond recognition. <laughs> yes, uh, pronounced Guradiasu 3 Densetsu Kara Shinwa E. Which translates to uh, Gradius Three from Legend to Myth. Oh yes, you forgot about the English title, though. I think the English subtitle is Gradius Three, from mild frustration to utter rage. <laughs> At least that's how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, good stuff. All right. Do you want to lead us off with a story here? Sure. Uh, in the darkest reaches of infinite space, pure evil lies in wait. The dark forces, led by the god of destruction, Bacterian, prepare to launch a massive onslaught against the planet Gradius. Possessing unstoppable power, the dark forces threaten to plunge the universe into total war and complete annihilation. Their invasion force smashes the Gradius defenses, and the surrounding planets soon fall like dominoes. Now, Bacterian's evil grasp reaches for the heart of the Resistance, planet Gradius itself. To counter the oncoming threat of the united Gradius world forces, gather all their fighter craft. Half of them form a defensive net, the other half a strike team. But they are badly outnumbered, and the dark forces easily tear through their thin front line. No fighters survive the slaughter. In a last gasp move, the united Gradius world forces send out two fighters, previously considered too dangerous for combat missions, the interdimensional Vic Viper fighters. The fighters take off for the heart of darkness to join the fray that will decide the fate of the universe. Very melodramatic. Indeed, but you know what? I love stuff like this because it, I, mean, I love the story of you know the, the wizard coming from the moon of the Einhander. <laughs> but there, you know that that Einhander came from the moon. But you know it's just. Uh, Stories like this are just deliciously, uh, deliciously of their time, and you love it on there, just like with the Thunder Force series. <clears throat> we, the ship had been sent back in time, but soon it was discovered that this was whole thing was actually created because the Voyager space probe grew sentience, and you're like, what? That's no moon. I know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's deliciously chaotic generic and just stupidly fun oh yeah uh, you know these plots they're they're generally these plot summaries like this are generally overwrought but that kind of makes them fun because they're a little campy and I, I love how they form a thin thin defensive net it's you know it's like okay so how much we'll overrun here we've got to protect planet gradius We've got three fighters. They'll form a defensive net. We'll send these other two here. And you're just sort of wondering to you, like, why did we wait until they're there? But I guess if you have infinite space to work with, it could be a little difficult. Sure. I, don't know, it, I enjoyed it, but it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, All right. <laughs> what do we find here in infinite space? Well, uh, the original Gradius arcade game has 10 stages in total, including the series-only 3D level uh, in Stage 4, where you fly the Vic Viper down a series of corridors, collecting power-up chips, and trying to avoid crashing into walls. I've heard that's your favorite. Ah, uh, indeed. Is that your favorite stage? <laughs> it's by far, <laughs> yes. Uh the, uh, the game introduces the edit mode to the series, which allows you to choose a custom power-up bar loadout rather than one of the four pre-built configurations. Uh, Gradius 3 is the only game in the series that adds an additional power-up option at the end, uh, and so instead of the last item on the power bar being your question mark, which is your shield, it also has an exclamation point. And so in the edit mode, you can customize that to one of uh, a handful of choices. 
Now, the arcade original is widely considered to be the hardest of the Gradius series, and uh, was a considerable step up in difficulty from the first two games. Uh, there's also a beginner mode that has the first three stages of the game at a lower difficulty. Now, the Japanese release did not allow players to continue at all after losing all your lives. Uh, Konami actually ended up recalling Gradius 3 from arcades due to the spike in difficulty, and then the subsequent Asian market and international releases removed the beginner mode, but uh, pared down the difficulty of the main game. Yes, I can refer to that as adding slowdown mode, right? Uh, well, something like that. Um, now, Gradius 3 was, of course, ported to the Super Famicom in Japan and released in December of 1990. Uh, this reduces the overall difficulty, omits the faux 3D bonus stage and also the cube rush stage. Uh, rearranges a little bit of the stage order, which we'll get into later. It also adds some new weapon and power-up options in the edit mode. And uh, this came to North America for the launch of the Super Nintendo in September 1991. The uh, Super Famicom and Super Nintendo versions of the game are notorious for the amount of slowdown present throughout the game. Which, yeah, no SA1. Exactly, and we'll touch on that a little later. Now, subsequent arcade versions of the game uh, were released on uh, PlayStation 2 with Gradius 3 and 4 as the name of the release, and then also the Gradius Collection for PSP. Those revert to more of the original Japanese arcade version with uh, their settings. You can change the difficulty to uh, different levels, but the standard difficulty pretty much mirrors the arcade original, uh, and uh, from what I understand, does not allow you to continue when you lose all your lives. But but you can scale the difficulty back to have fewer bullets and fewer enemies. Also, uh, if you want to replicate the slowdown that is in the original arcade version, you would set the weight level to 2, uh, but you can reduce that to one or even set it to zero for no slowdown, which is quite a picnic. Yeah, this uh, the PS2 release and the subsequent PSP release is the first time that the Gradius arcade version was released outside of Japan, which when it came to North America and was a Super Nintendo version, a lot of people enjoyed it. So you get a really positive worldwide release, but in Japan... It's sort of weird. It's it's re reviewed the Super Famicom and from what I understand, they prefer the arcade version a little bit more. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It, so it, it everyone loves the arrange. It's like loving the arrange mode, but the original release is something that may have marred the reputation of the system had it actually come out in Western arcades. Hmm, interesting. Well, uh, now recent developments within the Super Nintendo homebrew scene uh, and reverse engineering have led to the what's called the SA-1 version of the game, uh, which is a modified version of Gradius 3 that effectively augments that original Super Nintendo version to utilize the SA-1 or Super Accelerator 1 chip functionality to eliminate the slowdown. 
Uh, the SA-1 is a coprocessor chip that is used in a number of Super NES games. And the, the modification uh, basically allows the ROM to be utilized uh, alongside that SA-1 coprocessor. So there are, with the modified ROM, you can put that on some flashcards. Uh, I believe the SD to SNES works. And there may be one other uh, where the modified version of the ROM will work on that and essentially play as if the game were uh, a Gradius 3 card that had the uh, SA-1 chip included in it. But, not to be outdone, well-known modder Voltar has actually shown off a mod that allows for effectively adding the SA-1 chip to existing copies of Gradius 3 without destroying the boards or damaging them irreparably. If you yeah. see pictures of it on Twitter, it's like this little red grid that sits over, uh, you can kind of attach to the board, and then you can put the SA-1 chip on top of that and marry the two together so that you can actually play the game without the slowdown on original hardware. Yeah, that board was designed by the real Phoenix on there. Voltar was using that so that way he could get the pins to match up for using a larger EEPROM on there that he had to burn the program ROM onto. And then after he got all, all it's sort of like a daughter board that it goes onto the PCB for the SA1 donor that he's using, which I believe was a um, mini Yonko, Yonko Super Famicom racer on there. It's for I think it's like a $10 donor cart that he used that had the S SA-1 chip on there. The other one that you're thinking of, I believe, for the you have the SD2 SNES, the Pro, and the original SD2 SNES, because both have SA-1 support enabled. But the other one is the newcomer, the Mister. Oh, that yes. That allows to do there. Yes, I forgot about that. So, and and I did I definitely have one of those and would love to try it here, but I got to get myself one of those uh, RAM add-on boards first before I can do any Super Nintendo stuff. Ah, uh, yes. So I will try it up and uh, see if I can give an update on a later podcast. Cool. That'll be great. All right. Well, let's jump into the gameplay. Now, of course, most of you listening will know what Gradius is. And you will have either seen or played a Gradius game before. Um, but for the uninitiated, the uh, what I'll say the 10,000 foot overhead view is, it's a side-scrolling shoot-em-up game where you play a spaceship, you fire your cannons at enemies, and then as you collect power-ups, you have a bar down at the bottom that each chip that you collect uh, moves that one space over to the right, and then you can then use that to select different uh, options or, or weapons or power-ups uh, effectively as you go along. Um, uh, one of the things I want to add to real quick in here is that it's a horizontally scrolling shoot-em-up, and there in each one of these stages there are going to be certain enemies who are different color than the rest, usually colored orange, and when you destroy them, you usually get one power-up, and the first power-up corresponds to the first item on the power-up bar and then if you get two then it corresponds to the second and at any given point you can press usually the a button but you can change around the controller in order to activate that power up and then it starts on starts from zero again and so then the first one you get brings you back to one and so on and so forth correct so as we're going here let's take a look at our 
loadouts in this game, as we mentioned before, allows you to edit, but we'll go with the <coughs> four default loadouts first. We have the Type A, which is Speed Up, Missile, Double, Laser, and Option. We have Type B, which is Speed Up, Spread Bomb, Tail Gun, Ripple, and Option. Type C is Speed Up, Two-Way Vertical, Cyclone Laser, and Option. Type D is Speed Up, Photon Torpedo, Freeway, Twin Laser, and Option. All loadout types allow you to select your preferred shield, either the forward shield, much like the original Gradius, or full barrier, or barrier. <laughs> now, edit mode, which I used in this game, I'm pretty sure you did too, allows you to make additional choices. We have the free shield, which is similar to the standard shield, but you can mass up to eight around your ship. The control missile, you can aim the missile up, down, or forward. When not aiming, it goes forward, and you can change the missile's direction as long as it's still in the air. Once on the ground, it will just continue along the path. You can only fire one at a time. It's sort of neat in theory, but I, I just never use this on there. I'm not sure about. Yeah, I, I never use that one. It's just one of the things you didn't want, you're like, oh, okay, neat. Upper missile fires missiles upwards. For the uh, arcade release, I use this a lot. But for the Super Famicom, it didn't seem really that useful. And the reason why, I'll go real quick, why I use the upward missile a lot during the arcade release is because a lot of the enemies on the arcade version seem to come from above. A lot of the stuff with it that I had to deal with forced me to fly low most of the time. And when I was flying low, the missiles gave me another added shield or some ways to attack upwards. And you don't have much that will attack upwards in any of the Gradius games. Very true. Uh, moving on, we have the small spread. A spread bomb that travels backwards from your ship instead of forward like the Type B configuration. Did you use this very much? Uh, yeah, actually, I experimented with the spread bomb some, uh, and I found it to be at least partially useful. It's nice to have uh, some kind of ability to attack behind you for ground enemies, because there are quite a few instances where little walkers or enemies will kind of come in from behind and they can snipe you if you're not careful. Oh, yeah, especially in the arcade release. Those little, those little things have, have like six shots of uh, espresso. Man, those things fly so fast. <laughs> <laughs> have you noticed on the first stage of it, if, in the arcade version, if you just, um, the little walker that comes in there, if you just let it go, it just exits stage left and walks straight off the, the, the stage on, into the void of space. Says, nope, I'm out of here. Oh really? I guess I never, I never had that happen. Yeah, it just moves so fast. It just, it just walks right off the screen. Huh. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> let's see here. We have the uh, uh, spread shot, which can be powered up twice. First level is two shots, each fired at angle from the, the front of the ship. The second level fires the third shot straight ahead. I tried this for a little bit and thought it would be neat, but. It just didn't, wasn't conducive to my playstyle in any of these. Did you experiment with this? I played with it just a little bit, but I found that not having a direct forward shot uh, did not suit me at all. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. Now, this next one, the energy laser, also called the E-laser, 
This fires energy blasts that can be charged up by holding down the fire button. This wrecks bosses. This, I mean, this thing, if you have it powered up, just cuts through stuff. And there, did you use this for any of your playthroughs? You know, I didn't. Um, I know that a couple of people during one of my streams suggested it, uh, but I never really, I never really utilized it because I, there were some other options I liked better. Fair enough. I used it against the on stage one against the that little antlion or sandworm boss. I think I killed it either in one or two powered up hits. Wow! I mean, it, it just it just <laughs> mows through them. Uh, let's here we moving on. We have the snake option. The S option will move the options you collect in position opposite from the direction your ship is moving when you stop. This one. Eh, it's not my favorite option for the options. It's just, <laughs> it's just it's it's sort of like trying to for me it's sort of like trying to get all your little ducklings behind you to line up properly. It just it's a little bit of a mess on here. You're always in what's or like an escort mission. It felt more like I was escorting the options around. All right, let's make sure. Oh, this one got stuck on something. Let's move this again. Yeah, I feel like this one is sort of like uh, it's it's akin to driving the family car when I was in high school on a snow day and purposely uh, hitting the gas and fishtailing the back end of the car. Uh, you know, it felt like that when you're when you're moving around. You know, you move the the ship around and you stop, and then the options swing around to one side, and then you move up a little bit and stop and then the options swing up and I don't know it's just really really I can see that it would have some utility if you really had the stages mapped out very specifically and you knew exactly where you needed to be at every second and how that would correlate to where the options are going to be when they follow you but uh, yeah I think it would require a lot of a lot of patience and a lot of of trial and error to kind of figure out when and where to position the options in order to utilize them more effectively. Yeah, well, it's something that I, I decided to skip here. Now, moving on, we have something that I definitely used in the Super Famicom version or Super Nintendo version, which is Reduce. Another shield type, this makes your ship smaller so that enemy projectiles have a much smaller target. It has two levels of reduction, one very small and one that's uh, marginally smaller than standard ship size. Offers no protection from environmental hazards. Though This in the Super Famicom slash Super Nintendo version is fantastic for just getting through your stuff. On. Yeah, and in the Super Nintendo version you actually get three levels, uh, so it is much... Uh, much more effective in that version. Um, but uh, one of the things that bothered me about trying the Reduce in the arcade version is the hitbox for some of the terrain is real uh, unpredictable. And so there were times, even with Reduce enabled, that I would go and, and be able to fly into certain scenery and come out unscathed. And then in other places I'd have what felt like one pixel of overlap and I'd blow up. So I didn't, I didn't find reduce to be very useful in the arcade version, at least. Oh, I completely agree. I, 
the, you, know, you know, people say that in the Castlevania game, stairs are Simon Belmont's kryptonite. In the arcade version of Gradius 3, it's definitely the 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 top and bottom of the stage because if you accidentally get even near that stuff you will die exactly uh, moving on next one we have mega crush and i wish that uh, joe i could use a joe reddit for a sound clip for this but see much does it much better than i do <laughs> hey, mega, mega crush, crush. Oh, there you go <laughs> there you go or you know, that eight mega crush power there you go <laughs> Uh, like the blue power-up capsules that will destroy all weak enemies on screen and damage other enemies, it clears bullets, unlike the standard blue capsules, and apparently can destroy the option hunter enemy and get your stolen options back. You know, it's almost like the uh, uh, the option hunter is probably cooler than like the option impounder, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to put a boot on, the, on this option here. You have to pay your ticket in order to get it out of the impound lot. I'm sorry, but you haven't paid for these options yet. I'm going to have to take them back. <laughs> the, one, the one thing I will say that's really nice about here, and we'll discuss this later about the option hunter, is even though it's like a semi that comes barreling through your lane and you have to manage it and everything else that's going on, at least it gives you an audio cue. So you sort of get an idea that you need to get out of its way. Right. Yeah, that's a nice feature. Here, all right. <laughs> Moving on, we have the three uh, <clears throat> exclamation mark edits on here, which are you, which are you, if those familiar with the Parodius series will know these as the oh no huh. selections here at the very end. Usually, these do stuff that you don't want. The and the first one is normal. It changes your main weapon back to the standard shot if you collected a laser or double. The second one is speed down. It reduces your ship speed by one level. And the last one is more like a... Uh, it's its definitely a gamble. It's almost like it converts every playthrough into a one-life clear. Hmm. Yeah. It's called... You know, it's called... And this is a strategy that I believe... Um, Viper MK2 put forward as a path to getting powered up really early and using that to power up your initial playthrough. Yep. And that's convert. It converts lives into options. So when you activate this on here, if you have two lives, you get two options, three lives, you get three options, etc. You can obtain up to four options in a single use. It's great for recovery or if you stayed earlier, starting the game out to get more firepower quickly. I tried this a couple times, but for me, it became of I'm just going to have to learn how, how this game's mechanics work in order to do this on here. It, I, did, I found it pretty neat for pathing and sourcing stuff, but in the learn to learn the levels and get through stuff. But in the PS2 version, you can select what stage and what part of the stage you want to start from after you beat it. And that, to me, seemed better for practicing than trying to roll the dice on a... Trying to roll a 20 here on Convert and power my way through the rest of the game on one life. Hmm. Yeah, and I I actually use this quite a bit. Um, because my feeling is, 
recovery in a Gradius game is difficult because of what we now know as Gradius Syndrome, but recovery in Gradius 3 I think is probably most difficult of any of the games in the series. So for my money, it was actually more worth doing the convert right away and starting with two options almost immediately. Uh, and then if I happen to die, well, then I don't have to either struggle and get frustrated with my last two lives or waste time trying to purposely run my ship into scenery so that I can start fresh. So I actually kind of liked this one and found it to be pretty useful. I can see where it has its utility, but it really depends upon your play style. For, as I said earlier, for me, it was something where I was going with the... Um, I had gotten to the point where I just started learning the enemy place, and so I was like, okay, this guy's going to come from this altitude, and he's going to come from here. And as, soon, as long as I could get at least one speed in, I could usually start to power my ship back up. Which... Mm. It just may be that uh, I'm, you know, after a year of the schmuck cloud, I'm starting to get better at this stuff. I'm starting to just pattern memorizations becoming easier. You know, but I, I definitely had an easier time of recovering from Gradius Syndrome than any of the previous titles. And I think that's just because, well, you play a year of schmuffs, you're going to get better, at least in some ways. Absolutely. Would you like to uh, take a look at the edit mode? Yeah. Uh, so, in the Super Famicom and Super Nintendo version, the edit mode adds some additional options uh, above and beyond the arcade original. Uh, it adds the Hawkwind missile, uh, which takes the place of the control missile, uh, so that's not available in the Super Nintendo version. But uh, depending on your position on screen, missiles will, will fire upward downward or both if you're close to the center of the screen and so if your ship is closer to the top of the screen it'll fire upward if you're nearer to the bottom of the screen you'll fire downward and then if you're centered uh, it'll kind of fire both up and down i use this one a lot and this was kind of my go-to for the super nintendo version uh, so that i had the ability to attack above and below as much as possible there there are definitely some places where it pays to have that capability of of uh, attacking from both of those directions. How about you? Oh, definitely. This was my go-to in the Super Nintendo Super Famicom. <clears throat> there is, you're. I mean, it's not in the Super Famicom Super Nintendo version. You're gonna have some uh, enemies coming from above, but most of the enemies are gonna be from below. But it's still nice to have direction on there. There, I think there's maybe one or two. Power, um, weapons in the game that will allow you to direct to actually shoot up or shoot in the direction of up. So it's very important that you at least have something that can hit that direction. And that those options are not always going to be where you need them to be, as we talked about earlier. Right. Uh, the two-way back weapon is similar to the standard double, uh, but instead of your second shot being kind of 45 degrees up from the front of the ship. It's more 45 degrees up from the back of the ship. So you're shooting some shots forward, and then the other shots are kind of shooting out the back of the ship, but upward at a 45 degree angle. Um, I, I never used this. Uh, I could see where it has, where it could be useful in certain situations, but I think on the whole, 
I don't know. I, I just don't know how, how useful this would be. Yeah, you know, I tried this once. It looked like it was farting shots out from the back of the ship. It just, <laughs> was, it just it was like, okay, well, yeah, no. I mean, it's, it's just uh, it's sort of like an Einhander trying to use the exhaust to kill your enemies. Well, technically you can do it, but it's very difficult to do and not very utilitarian. It's uh, skip. Yeah. Uh, now that was actually, I think I misread this. That was the back double. The two-way back actually literally fires directly behind your ship. And so you're, you've got your main shot going out the front and then a slower shot shooting out the back of the ship directly. And so they're uh, parallel with one another. Uh, now that I found useful um, in a few spots, especially in uh, stage nine, I believe it is. When you go in to fight those walkers, uh, the shadow walkers, there's uh, the little walkers that come on screen. It was useful for those so that you can kind of eliminate those. I know that they don't shoot at you if uh, if you're flying low and getting right above them. But sometimes I found that a little bit hard to gauge. And so rather than trying to figure out where to position the ship so that I was safe it was easier for me just to use the back or the two way back and shoot them so that I didn't have to worry about them. Did you ever use this weapon? No, I didn't, but I, I could see, I could see using it in that specific instance, but that's one specific instance in the entire game. It, it, it just, and for those of you who are wondering about the spider walkers, I guess the, the closest that we could talk about with the Parodia series is, I believe it's in Parodia's dub there with the uh, cabaret dancer. Yes. Shakes back and forth. She's also in the uh, Famicom version as well on there. And it was nice to see them sort of repurpose this on here. But it, it's not something that's... I, I guess It's specific for one area in the game where it's helpful. And I, I didn't really use it that much. On Yeah, I, I didn't really use it that much either. Uh, we have the formation option, which um, lines up the options in a fixed formation above and below the ship. Uh, and it sort of resembles an arrowhead configuration with two above and two below your ship and kind of fanning out sort of behind. Uh, and and so it's uh, two above and two below in a full loadout. Uh, and then also on the Super NES version, if you fill the weapon select bar to the space where you would select the option after you've got all four, you can use that uh, activate button that you would normally use to select that and hold that down to spread those four options out for a much wider formation. Uh, and it's, I found that very useful for crowd control. This was my go-to option set for most of the game when I played the Super NES version, uh, because I found that, and especially after, uh, it was Vic, Vic Viper Mark II who told me this, uh, about the, the spreading of those options, um, when you, are fully powered up and have that on that bar is uh, you can literally sit there on the intro to the stages where you have all the waves of enemies coming in. You can center yourself on the screen, spread the options out and pretty much take out everything that's coming uh, so that you don't have to contend with all the bullets and uh, worry about where you're going to be on the screen. And so it's super useful to kind of cut through everything. What about you? What what it was your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, I definitely found this useful on here. I've heard it as more like peacock mode on here. You just fan out and destroy. <laughs> it's, de it's definitely useful on here, and I liked it. But I, I just found the rotating option mode seemed to work better for my playstyle just by a hair. So I went with that in the majority of the time. But I could, this is, it comes in a close second. It's very useful. You've got a lot of firepower in there, and you know exactly where your options are going to be, so you can line things up. Mm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, the rotate option is uh, an, the next um, option to choose from for your options. And uh, instead of following your ship around like the original type, these options will rotate around your ship. And in similar fashion to the formation options, uh, if you get all four and then you fill the power bar up to the point where you could activate the options again, when you hold down that activate button, it'll fan out the options again to kind of spread them out a little bit and create a wider rotation path. Uh, I used the rotation option quite a bit when I first started uh, in the month playing the Super NES version, uh, and I like it a lot. I, I ultimately settled on the... Uh, the formation option because it creates a much wider a much wider path of fire but I can see this being really great for having more concentrated fire uh, around you and as enemies approach you especially with popcorn enemies and things like that with these options spinning around you constantly firing uh, you're gonna be taking out pretty much everything popcorn uh, that that gets close to you yeah, with the rotating options, these work really well in stage three when you're cutting your swarth through the uh, spaghetti and meatballs. Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, when you're basically drilling through the ground there trying to destroy all the boulders and stuff, these are great because these allow you to <clears throat> use an option in order to carve a path upwards or downwards should you need a quick escape route. It really is going to depend upon what your playstyle is. The, the other thing I like about the rotate option versus the formation option is the rotate options makes it a little bit easier to avoid the uh, option hunter slash option impounder. Yes, the, the rotate option, because they stay so close to your ship, yes, they do make avoiding the option hunter far easier than any of the other uh, option types. The other thing about this, too, is the option. I mentioned earlier about the upwards missile acting as sort of like an upward shield because of how much you're going to be firing upwards on there. And if you, most people who I've seen with their playthroughs stay lower to the to the ground in Gradius 3, especially with the arcade version. The rotate option almost acts as a second shield if you've got a full set of them. Yeah. The last of the new edit mode options is called Full Barrier. And uh, you can use this in conjunction with the different shield options that you choose. And basically what it does is it allows you to refresh your shield back to full strength if it becomes weakened. So for example, let's say that you have the full barrier shield that you choose, which creates that force field, or I guess it's called the force field. So if you have the force field type shield that you've chosen, and it'll take up to three hits, and let's say you've taken two hits... Well, instead of having to fill your power bar all the way back up to that spot and then take another hit in order to refresh that shield again, 
you can fill it up to the next space over and then immediately activate it to get back to where you were. So I found this to be infinitely useful and until later in the month when I switched over to using the trade lives for options uh, feature, I was using this full barrier quite a bit and I found it to be incredibly useful. Yeah, I would definitely say it's incredibly useful. I use this in the arcade version. In the Super Nintendo Super Famicom version, I use the <clears throat> reduce because the hitbox is reduced on, on the Super Famicom Super Nintendo version. Where on the arcade version, what you, when you get shrink, you still you still got that hitbox, their little wanky hitbox where you're going to be hit by the scenery mm. coming right. at you. While the full barrier will at least give you more protection on there it's really independent upon your playstyle. but for me the super famicom go with the reduce in the arcade version go with the full barrier because you're going to be hit constantly it's like a hailstorm of bullets and people and scenery it just reminds me of the, the end of uh the arcade version reminds me of the end of crash bandicoot when you're in the stage and he just says good job but you missed 16 boxes and just all endlessly drops on you Huh. that's how I see it with the arcade version. And you just need full barrier. Protect yourself. <laughs> uh, that'd be kind of funny. Crash Bandicoot with a full barrier shield. Oh, have you have you seen the remake of that at the end there? If you, if you, I think it's like after 30 boxes, they just fall over unconscious and then the boxes just keep dropping. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, so... Let's take a look at the stage changes from the arcade version to the Super Nintendo version. So, these are for, taken from the Gradius Fandom Wiki. Now, we're going to play a, stage, a little bit of stage shuffle here. Stage 5 becomes stage 4. Stage 6 becomes stage 10, the final stage. Stage 7 becomes stage 5. And stage 8 becomes stage 6. If I'm trying to remember everything correctly on here, let's see. Stage 5, which is the Moai stage, I believe, becomes stage 4. Yep. And there, because you don't have the 3D stage, stage 6, I'm trying to remember. Uh, that was the, um, was that the brain, the brain, the organics, or life force stage? Yep. Okay, becomes a final stage. Stage 7, I'm trying to remember what that, what that, what that stage is on there. <clears throat> that's not the fire one, that one seems to stay in place. Yeah, I don't remember if that's... Uh... It's all right. <laughs> Moving on here. <laughs> I'm sure someone will let us know. The 3D and the Q-Brush stages are removed from the arcade version to the Super Famicom. In their place is a high-speed stage in the Crystal Maze. Now, they're commonly referred to as a speed trap. Yes, and I, I generally speaking hate speed traps and shmups. I know I've said it before. I mentioned it during the Steel Empire uh, episode, and it still holds true. However, I did find that once you learn what the proper path is to go through this stage, it is manageable, and it is more doable than I had originally thought. When I first got to this stage, this was, my, this was the brick wall that I hit. But once you learn the path through and you kind of know where you need to be and where to go, uh, as long as you're executing your, your movements fine and you're not either too fast or too slow, it's, it's pretty, pretty reasonable. 
Oh, I definitely agree on here. And this is something where I was worried because I watched a couple of your playthroughs. It's like, how am I going to make it? But then I made it through all, almost unscathed on my first try. And I was like, that wow. didn't seem so hard. Now, the <laughs> I had been gotten a little bit scared also because I had been playing Parodius. Again, and there, the speed trap stage in that where you have all those enemies on there. You got those ramps with those signs. On there, have you played that one? The one I think it's right after the stage with the uh, mermaid who's got a pirate ship at, on top of her head. Oh yeah. yeah! Right after that one with the speed trap on there. Oh man, that this the Super Famicom one is so much easier than that. But <laughs> again, we're talking arcade game versus Super Home System here. Right. Uh, let's see here. The final stage is split. The boss rush at, is at stage eight. The fortress space is at stage nine, and the cell stage, the final stage, is. No, in stage 10. This is sort of neat on here. I think that the Bosch Rush stage was easier than I expected when I got to it. It makes it sound very epic, but a lot of them were pretty easy to defeat. The only one who gave me a little bit of trouble was that boss who goes full peacock there and then then shrinks. You know, I'm talking about the one who's just got, who then pulls out like 16 guns. Yeah. On the, and wraps. Yep. Yeah, the actual last boss of the, of the boss rush. That one gave me some trouble, too, because he bum-rushes you. And so if you're not expecting it, or you don't have enough of a speed-up to get out of his way, um, you're going to get you're gonna get crushed. Yeah, that, that was directly taken from, well, pretty much all the arcade bosses after Stage 1, on the, where they just try, like, well, you're, you're getting close, you're trying to... Uh, I forget what the term is in Damanko, but it's overly using Katsui... There, but you know, point blanking. Oh, right. Yeah, you're trying to point blank me. Well, I'm just going to ram into you. Huh. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to stage two, but, the, but the, definitely the bosses is a lot more aggressive on the arcade version versus the Super Nintendo version. Yes. Let's see here. The uh, Some of the bosses were removed, and I'm trying to remember. Oh, yes, the uh, uh, was it level six or level seven, the fire level, where it starts out with a fire dragon. Like a three-headed dragon in that. Then it goes into the fire snake after that was removed. I'm trying to remember. Do you remember a couple of the others that were there? Uh, none off the top of my head. But, yeah, that was the notable change because it's like, like a two-phase boss fight where you've got the fire dragon and then the, fire, the two-headed fire snake. Oh. And, of course, in the Super NES version, you only have the fire snake. But the, uh, the fire dragon, I think, is probably similar to the fire dragon boss from Gradius 2 or like the three-headed dragon from stage one of Gradius 4. And that reminds me of the other one that was there. The Moai stage is a two-stage fight. Oh, yes. The Moai stage is, yeah, you have like a spinning Moai head that spits out, just like literally just spits out O's at you, every little Cheerios at you everywhere. And then after that, then it goes to the top and bottom parts out of there. Which, but I think that in that, in the, that part of the arcade version, the rocks aren't there, but it's still, they spit out all sorts of stuff. And as we know with the arcade version, you got to mind your path with the scenery because that's your worst enemy. Yeah, well, I, part of it is I think that the Moai don't understand that the pilot of the Vic Viper doesn't eat nuclear Cheerios. He's only interested in Wheaties. <laughs> it's like something we'll see this fall. <laughs> you tried apple cinnamon, you tried chocolate... You tried vanilla. Now try nuclear Cheerios. 
<laughs> I could just see, see someone mocking that up after this. You've got yourself some nuclear Cheerios with a Moai ad on there. there yeah, you, you know, with, with the way Konami's going, who knows? It could be the next one. It could be the you know, Moai is the start of another pachinko machine. That, that needs to be a, a t-shirt. You know, a cereal box. Nuclear <laughs> Cheerios. Moai approved. Jeez. I still, <laughs> I still want to try the Moai game for the Famicom. On there, I think it's called Moai Coon, if I remember correctly. Oh. But we'll, we'll get to that one, and maybe at a later date here. <clears throat> All right. So, would you like to start us off with a Super Nintendo Super Famicom version sequence? Sorry, secrets. Yeah. Um, so at the title screen, if you hold left and press A three times, and then press start to begin the game, you will get thirty lives. Uh, and the nice thing is, much like the uh, famous use of it in Contra for the NES, uh, you get that for each of your continues. You can use the original Konami code in the game if you pause the game and then enter that, but I wouldn't recommend it because you will die. Uh, you will immediately explode, and it, the game adds insult to injury by giving you an extra special explosion sound. However... If you change up the code and instead of pressing left and right during those portions of the code, but use the shoulder buttons L and R, then you'll receive a speed up, your missiles, four options, and a shield. So Konami is uh, not without a heart. They at least gave you that ability to do that. If you're really super fast at pressing buttons and you can press A, 16 times within one second on the title screen, you unlock the arcade mode difficulty level, which is not actually arcade mode, it's just a harder difficulty. Wait, I thought that pressing A 16 times on the title screen gave you 50 pachinko balls. <laughs> Maybe in the new version. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and if you press X at the title screen rapidly, uh, you can increase your credits. Uh, I think it's 10 presses of X will net you one credit. And of course, the title screen doesn't stick around very long before it moves over to the attract mode. So you need to rapidly press it, get a credit, and then hit up or down on the controller in order to keep the title screen alive if you want to keep doing that. But you can uh, bank up to nine credits doing that, uh, that method. Also, if you hold the A button down during the title screen until the attract mode demo play starts, then it'll show you a much harder playthrough of stage one. Uh, the other fun thing is while you're in edit mode, if you press XY, 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 it will randomly select a loadout for you. Um, so that might be kind of an interesting sort of challenge mode or, or fun thing to do once in a while with the game. Yeah, especially because the Super Nintendo Super Famicom version is pretty easy comparatively. We had a lot of people who were playing that and said that it was their preferred version, but also were noting that the slowdown seems to be, well, break the game. <laughs> and there, well, speaking of which, let's take a look at some of the secrets from the Gradius 3 strategy wiki. Yeah. For the PS2 and PSP, well paused if you enter the Konami code, but using square and triangle as the final button presses, you'll get a full loadout plus a double weapon. On the PSP version, if you replace square and triangle with left-right shoulder buttons, you get the laser instead. 
on PS2 replaces square and triangle with circle and cross or X. Yes. Beating stage 9 unlocks an additional cube attack in extra mode. Yeah, cube attack is definitely interesting out in there. It's almost like the uh, Zubrush is a good idea from the original Gradius at the end of, I believe, stage 2 boss in there. Right. But in uh, cube attack uh, or in the uh, cube rush portion, the cubes are, I believe, indestructible. Correct. Yeah, you're just going to have to fly through them in there. During the final boss fight, if your ship gets hit by either the top, the middle, or the middle energy ball, you'll be transported to secret bonus level. Secret bonus. Based <laughs> on the second half of stage one from Salamander, and it unlocks in extra mode, if you get hit by the bottom energy, you warp to special stage based upon the first stage in the original Gradius. Though I saw somebody play through this uh, here, and th these were great callbacks on here. It, it was definitely the extra mile that they put in there. You could tell that this was a passion project. Very nice. Now, if you unlock the extra credit, excuse me, extra edit in the PS2 PSP versions by beating the game, this gives you access to the full edit mode options from the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, which is a, a nice nod to. Uh... A nice nod to that. Uh, now, looking at the Super NES and Super Famicom versions, uh, they added a bunch of additional bonus levels or bonus stages in the game. So during stage two, if uh, you fly the Vic Viper into kind of the opening on the bottom of the screen where the ships that are encased in bubbles come out, you unlock a bonus stage. And uh, during the bonus stage, of course, you can shoot a handful of enemies and collect power-ups and also collect bonus icons for uh, bonus points. In stage three, uh, destroy all the land-based enemies leading up to the volcano section uh, until you reach the lower portion. And then when the platform comes down from the ceiling with the three turrets, destroy those and then fly up to the spot where the platform comes down from. And typically, you need to fly up and be relatively centered in order for that to be triggered. In the Moai stage, uh, after the Moai kind of change colors from orange to a darker red, there will be a particular Moai on an upper platform who will be laying down. And at some point, that Moai will stand up and then turn to face the right uh, and so when that happens, if you quickly fly in behind that Moai, that's how you can access that bonus stage. But it only works when your power-up bar is empty. Uh, so keep that in mind. In the fire stage, there's an area kind of leading up to right before the final boss, uh, or before the boss in that level, where there's a tight corridor of kind of rock formation engulfed in flames where right before that space, if you fly up to the top of the screen and kind of get up into the flames as it's coming down, don't fly up all the way, but kind of position your ship up to where it's kind of just touching the flames. Then if your score, if the, the last 100 portion of your score is either 300, 500, or 700, then you'll be able to active, uh, access that bonus stage. 
Now, as I mentioned before, the bonus stages do give you the opportunity to earn a lot of extra points by picking up the light orange icons. Those start at 100 points, and then they go up by 100 points for each subsequent pickup. Uh, but if you miss one, then, uh, you know, it, throughout the level, the sequence in the level, then they, then they resets back to 100. But you can go up to 1,000 points if you collect them in sequence. Uh, during those bonus stages, power-up chips with a green center are extra lives. Uh, and then, of course, um, one of the nice features is if you access the bonus stage and you get through it, then you bypass the rest of the level and you skip the boss, uh, the boss fight. However, if you die during the bonus stage, you basically start at that checkpoint uh, just prior to where you activate the bonus stage. Um, now, when I was playing through and I was streaming the game, uh, that was one of the cool things that we did uh, was during one of the streams, uh, I actually got uh, Vic Viper Mark II, uh, who participated in the playthrough with us, I got him on the stream to where we could talk through the RF Gen Discord so he could kind of coach me along and help me to figure out how to access all of these bonus level areas. The only one that I never actually got to get to was the one during the Moai stage, but the rest of them I, I accessed at least once, and several of them I, I did multiple times. Uh, did you go through any of these? Unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't. I actually learned of the existence by watching your playthrough of these, but it wasn't something that I actually followed. I was spent most of my time, or should I say, the majority of my time on the arcade version of this game, trying to see how far I can make it, which turns out to be just about to the uh, the end of stage three on normal, which. Hmm. It's still still really hard, yeah. but it's going there, and I'll have to go back and ask Vic Viper. Again, th big thank you to him for this month for really helping push us along in or to keep trying and keep finding new ways to uh, unlock stuff and to get bonus for this game. Really appreciate it. But yeah. it, it's definitely something we'll touch in this in, in our feelings. But no, I I. Uh, didn't have a chance to try this because I was too busy trying not to die in the arcade version. Indeed. All right, let's move on to graphics. We have in the both of these versions we have really a, a nice. This is the end of the pixel era, right before Gradius Four when we went to the sort of like look 3D is pretty cool. Let's see what we can do with it stage. And I think, and Sarah Flash pointed this out in his as well, it's a launch game, but yet it doesn't feel dated. It's something that's easy to come back to and easy on the eyes, even in this day and age. Yeah. <clears throat> the enemies are bright and colorful. Each one has a distinct, has that distinct Konami style that has been developed through the series to this point. Gradius 3, for its most part, is variations upon the theme. It's like the, it's like the uh, Mega Man syndrome, right? It's like, okay, so Gradius 3, Mega Man 3, you're sort of dealing with, like, okay, so what have we got here? We are, Or even, even parts of Mega Man 2 are like, okay, we've got Fireman, uh, well, let's see here. Heat Man. Well, we can do a sort of another fire stage, but we'll call it Heat Man. 
<clears throat> you know, so like, okay, so we're not gonna do fire stage at the beginning anymore. We're not gonna have dragon. But oh, you know what? Sand dragons. We'll do sand <laughs> instead. That sounds good. The foundations are there. It's just it's it's like with a new coat of paint. <clears throat> but what what is still there overall is very good. Sure. I mean it's in a lot of ways it's it's Konami just kind of refining the the existing universe and adding to it, uh, prettying it up a little bit, more plagiarizing themselves than uh, copying anybody else. The other thing I like about this is on stage one, we deal with the ant lion and it's pretty neat boss, but it's very stationary compared to what you start to see in there. There's a lot more... I would say ideas or imagination used in the bosses for this one. I mean, Gradius 2 was great on there where it said, you know, shoot the eye. And, you know, <laughs> Gradius 1 was pretty much all shoot the gore. But this one on, on there, what, you know, what, with the amoeba boss on the end of stage 2, the dragons that transform on here, there was a lot more variation. The bosses were large and colorful, well animated. And it made you feel like you're fighting this epic battle as you're going bosses. That that I would say is one of the highlights. Even the plant stage on there, where the plant that was, I wonder why. Now I think about this, why they didn't do it, right? It's basically like a giant Hoover vacuum. Why didn't they <laughs> have that? <laughs> why didn't they have this as a boss in Proteus? Where's this giant Hoover vacuum? Anyways, <laughs> but uh, the the. Bosses are very well done. They're huge. They're imposing. They're well drawn, colorful, and they're well animated, uh, with the exception of the one at the, uh, I believe, at the end of stage seven. That's pretty much just like lanes that you have to shoot at. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where it just shows it's like, okay, yep. we've got this wall. This wall is going to get there, and you just got to destroy it. it. That, with the exception of that, it, it's very well done. Yes, I would agree. I think this was an excellent choice to kick off the 16-bit era. I mean, it, as Konami here get pulled off a win because it was, as mentioned previously, the uh, arcade version had only come out in Japan, so this was a way for them to reintroduce it in for the Super Famicom launch. And look, hey, look how close this is to the arcade now, and not have that negative connotation that the arcade did of being too difficult on there and to reintroduce people and make more money. It was really well done, and I think it stands as a testament today on how well all this has been put together as a package, that people are looking for ways to hack it to remove the slowdown and make it even closer to what they believe is the perfect form. Yeah. You're not going to spend all that time and effort into something if it sucks. Right. And one thing that I, I would like to, I guess, reiterate is, you know, Sarah, like you said, Sarah mentioned that it's it's a launch game, but it doesn't necessarily look like a launch game. And I really think that despite being that early in the life of the console, the graphics are really nice and the detail level is good. It's bright and colorful, and everything is just really well done. And so, despite it being a somewhat scaled-back version of the arcade game, it really does look quite close to the arcade in many respects. Yeah, even though it's a scaled-back version of the arcade game, it doesn't feel like it. Right. And the other thing that they added in from the Super Famicom version, which I really liked, is the... 
they took out the part where the uh, Sand Lion's chasing the arcade version, you know, with that title screen. Yep. When Sand Lion's taking, but instead they replaced a this animated sequence of the ship launching, which I thought was really well done. Yeah, I I like that intro sequence, and uh, I thought it was a nice touch. And speaking of nice little touches here and there, how about the sound of music? Yeah. Gradius 3's soundtrack at this point is iconic, and it really has some great tracks, uh, especially the stage intro music that typically plays during the initial kind of space portion as you approach whatever the level theme is. And that is known as Departure for Space, uh, which some of you may recognize as uh, the track that we use as the outro to the podcast. Uh, a lot of the tracks in the soundtrack are very upbeat and kind of have a hopeful tone to them. And of course, this was composed by the Konami Kukeha Club and uh, also Miki Higashino. And over time, there have been several uh, soundtrack albums released, including both the original arcade music and then some of the others having various arranged versions. One thing I'll mention is... Uh, when he was streaming the game, uh, Sarah Flash noted uh, that uh, the Super NES version music has uh, a bit of a PC Engine or Turbo Graphics-like sound and quality to it, and I would have to agree because it really does kind of have some of that vibe. Some of the instrumentation really sounds very similar to what you might hear from. A Turbo Graphics or PC Engine, and I particularly like the Super Nintendo version of the soundtrack. I, I found it to be quite, quite listenable and enjoyable. Yeah, it, it doesn't have that uh, overuse of reverb that you uh, normally associate with Super Nintendo soundtracks. There, and I think Sir Flash had mentioned that within the PC Engine version that there was a rumored P, um, PCE CD or PC Engine uh, conversion maybe in the works that was changed over to the Super Famicom or you used bits and pieces of it? Oh, that could very well be. Which may be why that soundtrack has some of that sound because they may have been happy with the the PC Engine sound and so they just used that in the samples for the Super NES soundtrack and so that may, may be why it sounds so distinct. Yeah, it's something that it's it's a guess, but it's something that, that seems like it would have at least some truth to it on there. And as mentioned, it definitely does feel more like a PC Engine soundtrack than what you normally hear with the, you know, your tons of reverb. Yeah. Now, so we've been talking about the music here and the graphics on there. What are your impressions of the game? This is interesting because, you know, typically when you approach a game like this, uh, most people tend to see a conversion of a game like this for the home console as inferior. I tend to be the opposite. Now, of course, I'm not a major score chaser. Uh, I'm not a masochist. And I'm also not a, you know, a super hardcore good at shmups person you know i'm i'm average maybe slightly above average at this point since we've been doing this for the last year 
but um, but I I really prefer the Super NES version to the arcade original. As I was playing through it, the arcade version, I I struggled a lot with the arcade version, and one of the things that that I did while I was working on that and uh, streaming is that uh, D Tungsten actually suggested that perhaps I do the beginner course just to kind of try to play it a little bit easier. And so I did that. I did the beginner course and I eventually was able to get through the, the first three stages in the beginner course. But going back to the main game, I was able to, I think either, I think on easy, the easy difficulty level, I was able to get through the first three stages and then I could reach the, the stage four, which was that uh, kind of faux 3D stage. But I, I never quite navigated that properly and I kept crashing into walls. Uh, so I never actually saw the fifth stage in the arcade version other than, you know, looking at stuff online. I became very frustrated with the arcade version and that's the kind of game that until such time that I would become, uh, I, I'll just say an expert, you know, or a, or a top shelf player of shoot 'em ups the arcade version is something that I have a hard time seeing myself putting a lot of time into. But the Super NES version, I remember playing it years ago and thinking, boy, this is hard. Uh, I'm not sure I'll ever be any good at this. But through the course of the month, you know, I was able to reach the last stage. Now, I did that partially with the 30 lives thing, just so that I could practice the bits toward the end in stage nine that I had trouble with, but I did eventually make it to the final stage. I never did see the final boss encounter, and I kind of got frustrated there at the end and was making a lot of mistakes, but with a little bit more practice, I could probably get a 1cc of this game and feel very proud of myself for that accomplishment. And so I think <laughs> it's an interesting dichotomy because... As I mentioned at the top of the show, Gradius 3 Arcade is notorious for being the most difficult entry in the series. But actually, I think Gradius 3 on the Super NES might just be one of, if not the most approachable console conversion in the entire canon. Uh, so I, I kind of, it's kind of a funny irony to me. Yeah, I could definitely see that with there. I, I think it, you'll agree with me here that the Super Famicom version, the Super Nintendo version, feels almost like a M2 remix. Of, uh, when you had the Mushihime-sama and then the uh, Futari there, it really feels like the original arcade release was remixed into something more palatable for, for people. And I I think that majority of the changes they made from the conversion are for the better. It's definitely yeah. something that, that though that with a slowdown on there really makes the game easier and well in you could argue more uh, manageable, more accessible. Yes. But it's something that for people now as mentioned earlier, we've been playing for shmups for on a monthly basis for almost a year almost well, I should say a little over a year now actually. We have gotten better to the point where we surprised ourselves and 
I think this happened to Krabby as well. After playing for one or two times, you get to near the end of the game, which is really surprising for a shooting 'em up, especially something in the Gradius series. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean, it does really feel like an arranged version of the arcade original, uh, and and so in a lot of ways, I prefer that. Uh, now, purists, of course, are are going to want to cling to the arcade version, but for my money. The, the Super Nintendo conversion is where it's at because uh, I feel like that is a perhaps a, a better distillation of the of the game and the ideas that they're bringing forth. Um, you know, but that's just me. Uh, I, it's it's great that we have both the arcade version and the Super NES Super Famicom version that we can play, and people can choose whichever version they like. Now I have read that the developers have stated at some point, and I don't have a source for this, I wish I could remember where I read it, but uh, there's something that I read at some point that said that the developers actually prefer the Super NES version, or they think that that's the superior version, because maybe it's closer somehow to their their vision of the game. But again, you know, we've got both, so you can pick whichever one you like, or you can pick both if you like both. Yeah, now this may be the Stockholm Syndrome talking, but I really like the arcade version. (laughs) (laughs) The arcade version for me struck and scratched that R-type itch on there, where it's pure memorization on there. Once you learn the layout of a level, you can dominate, but you have to have the right set of conditions on there. And the other problem with the arcade, as we mentioned on there, if you slip up and make one mistake, the game will get you. So you always have to be on your guard and you always have to be going. And it's a huge challenge, but it is definitely doable. And that's the part that kept me coming back of, like, I started out crappy on R-Type. I started learning the patterns. I started memorization. And I was able to do it. The the start from nothing, and through practice and persistence, and a little bit of swearing, to to be able to make it through stage one consistently without losing a single life and go on to stage two, and so on, is something that encouraged me to play the arcade release more. Now, if you ask, if someone came on the street says, "Hey, I love the Gradius series." You know, should I get the PS2 version or should I get the Super Famicom? Super Famicom, hands down. But if you're looking for a challenge that's not going to back away from you, grab the arcade version and grab a good control stick. I believe that your biggest problem that you were facing when you were playing the arcade version was the PS2 D-pad is terrible for this type of stuff. I had to use a analog... I was able to switch the controls and use the analog stick... And holy, you know, that made a big difference on the ability to control my ship. Hmm. Yeah, see, and part of my problem is I I don't have a stock PS2 pad. I have two lousy aftermarket controllers uh, that are janky. And then I've got a nice Logitech wireless pad, um, which has an okay D-pad. But again, it's not... It's not a good substitute for a stock pad in some situations, or at least for the purposes of comparison, because I've played enough PlayStation over the years that I'm used to 
the kind of standard PlayStation style D-pad or directional button input. Uh, but ultimately, this is a game that I think would benefit with an arcade stick. Yeah, you know, I could just hear Mark MSX yelling into his microphone or yelling at the podcaster going, gee, even shmup, bro, for this, you need a Korean arcade stick. (laughs) In all seriousness on here, this is something where, again, this is an arcade game. You're going to be doing really... It's all, I, I don't want to say like tap dodging, but you're going to need either a um, analog stick or you're going to need arcade stick in order to start making progress in here because using the thumb-busting digital D-pad of a PlayStation 2 controller is not going to cut it. Sure. Well, let's uh, let's move in and hear kind of some of what the RF, gener- the RF Generation community had to say. Uh, so we had... Uh, one of the one of the participants, Duke Togo, says, "I'll squeeze on some Gradius three for sure. I need all the slowdown I can get." <laughs> uh, and then later in the thread, he uh, posted a score and he says, "Haven't had much time with kids and such, but snuck in a quick run. Nothing too impressive, but I was experimenting with the C laser. The hitbox on it is very weird, and you can definitely see that where you have to." cut through the dirt and boulders. It doesn't even consistently drill a straight line. Uh, and of course, he's talking about the uh, the stage stage three in the Super Nintendo version where you you have the sort of meatballs and gravy, you know, the, the sand and boulders that you got to cut through there. And that's the, I could definitely see it being hard to deal with that. It's too bad that it doesn't allow you to switch in between weapons, but of course that would be going against the Gradius normal, so I would wonder if that would be more appropriate testing for Parodius or within my favorite entry in the series, Gradius Gaiden. Right. But we'll get to that hopefully soon. <clears throat> we have a quote here from Normatron. I will post here just as well, just in case I didn't do it right on Twitter. I will work on the Super Nintendo and PSP versions, if that's fine. I need to take a small break from RPGs and games with the word towers in it. Later post. Thought that after work I would get get on the game to calm down before bed, but that didn't work in my favor. (laughs) I was debating on what difficulty I should play it on, and now I have beat this game many times in the past, but I remember that was always uneasy. So I'm going to stay on normal, and wow... If you die in the game, you almost call it quits unless somehow you're able to get past everything with limited firepower. Yeah, that Gradius Syndrome is runs deep. It's almost as bad as the uh, Rim 9000 Paralysis. There, it gives that. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. If if ever there was a a video game guidebook for medical uh, conditions, I would say Gradius Syndrome and Rim 9000 Seizures would be right up there. <laughs> Alright, so let's continue on with Normatron says I did get past the dual-headed fire dragon But not much farther after that and That's one of the areas Where uh, you could have a little problem With a dual-headed fire dragon Managing the hitbox on there is sometimes a little bit wonky As, as it circles It loves to just circle around you But then there are like times you're like What? Did something hit me with inside there? Mm, yeah. you, you have that problem too Where even at reduced You're just like Maybe did it sort of hit the back of the tailpipe and hit something? Right. Yeah, that was a little weird. Yeah. 
Anyways, I did try and get past the fire dragon, but not much farther after that. Needless to say, <clears throat> I left the game not calm at all, but angry and couldn't sleep for two more hours. Oh, sounds like a classic case of Dracratius syndrome there. <clears throat> Later post, another late night Gratius 3 run. Played for quite a while and found three of the bonus stages and tried to incorporate going through them in my pl playthrough of the game. <clears throat> Turns out the only good thing to come out of it was getting around 15 or 20 extra ships. That's still a heck of a lot to get out of it. Good job. Yeah. <clears throat> my score didn't change much from before. You can grab the, all the point pickups on the stages. You may be able to come out ahead. But you've got to be quick and careful while doing it. Yeah, I was watching you play a couple of those extra stages on there. And it's definitely something where you got to really mind where you're going there. So a reduce would definitely help out a lot. For sure. And we've got one last post here from him. So I finally got a chance to sit down and play the PSP version of the game. There's a lot of difference between the two games. I far enjoy this, but probably due to the PSP being small for my hands. Both games from the ones I played had slowdown, but the Super Nintendo was the worst of the two. No arguing here. <clears throat> but I didn't consider that to be a problem for me. No, usually slowdown is not considered to be a problem. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. <clears throat> and the boss definitely has somewhat different patterns. There are two different types of enemies you run into the arcade. I must say they missed my V-option formation from the arcade version as well. I played on normal the entire time... On the Super Nintendo version in the arcade, I started difficulty 3 and knock it, had to knock it back to 2 just to get anywhere. <clears throat> I believe that f difficulty 3 is... 4 is normal, right, on the arcade? So 3 would be... I don't know what that... Easy? Uh... Or, I don't know. I don't remember. Last day, I just remember that 4 is, no four is normal. According to... <clears throat> but... Uh, Anyways, the arcade you can clearly tell is a quarter muncher, as most arcade games can be. Oh, yes, definitely on there. I mean, you might as well just insert a credit card. You might as well be a credit card machine for get quarters. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Jam Master J says, Count me in. I'll be playing Gradius 3 on both the Super Nintendo and the PS2 arcade version. Uh, and then later in the month, he kind of offers a uh, final thoughts summary here and says, For me... Gradius 3 made the Super NES such an exciting console to own when my older brother finally got it around 1995. Although I had played the first Gradius on the NES several years prior, Gradius 3 really grabbed me with its familiar Konami startup chime, the awesome Vic Viper launching sequence, and the upbeat music that plays on the title screen. The game's difficulty was just right, challenging enough to keep me on my toes but also fair enough to keep me coming back to play it and to try to improve. I loved the colossal bosses and their laser patterns, especially the Stage 3 boss, and the Moai stage that just seemed insane at the time. But what I loved best about Gradius 3 was the music that the series is known for. It had that signature Konami sound you wouldn't find anywhere else, and I loved how the upbeat and dramatic music score has been a fixture of the series in each Gradius game. I prefer the Super NES version over the arcade original, which is tough, or which is super tough, even on the easiest setting. That being said, I surprised myself in the playthrough recently and made it well past the 3D Turbo bonus stage. Never accomplished that prior to now, and I have you guys to thank for covering this game and thereby getting me to try it again and succeed. Love the show. 
Well, thank you so much, Jam Master Jay. We sure appreciate your participation and uh, also the kind words. Congratulations on passing the 3D bonus stage. That's quite an accomplishment. Yes, and now I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's time that you have to give up that badge that you earned for Spider Fighter now. You have to give it to him. Uh, oh, man. We'll get you a badge that says, I survived the 3D Gradius stage. <laughs> Uh, and D Tungsten also uh, joined in and says, uh, I believe I have this one on the P- PSP. Would love to participate. Thank you for joining us and participating. Hopefully, you found the game to your liking. <clears throat> we definitely did. Uh, and we have a post here from Zordo. It seems like the default setting of the PSP version are slightly easier than on PS2. But I need to double check that. Oh, checked it out. PSP default difficulty is 3. PS2 on 4. So it is slightly easier. That must be why I had a, uh, an easier time on the PSP. Definitely. It says later post, I got me a cheap Super Famicom, excuse me, Super, Fam, Super Famicom copy of the game and gave it a try yesterday. It went quite well. Took a few tries on the stage three boss, but luckily the game gives you enough power-ups to get you back on track quickly. Yeah, it's a lot easier to recover on the Super Nintendo version than it is on the others. Super Nintendo is not going to accept your credit card or uh, quarters as payment, so (laughs) definitely worth it. In stage five, that bleeping enemy stole all my options, so I lost a life or two there also. After all, I made it to stage six boss, but I didn't have enough lives to learn his attack pattern yet. So later post, great job, everyone. Well, great job for you. Sounds like you made some great progress. I have some final thoughts. As I said, I'm already not the biggest Gradius fan, but I have to say, playing Gradius 3 was way more fun than I expected. I didn't regret starting earlier with the Super Nintendo version. It's much more accessible and forgiving than the arcade version. Even though it has some serious technical issues, well, this slow down, it, it, it's de- definitely a welcome technical issue. Sometimes I couldn't even see the sprite of Vic Viper as loaded on the screen. That could be a little of a trauma in there. I know that in some areas it does tend to blend in. Thankfully, we don't quite have the issue where you're going, where did that bullet come from? Where, what? It's I, but I could definitely see there are a couple instances where the, sh- the ship sprite could blend in a little bit too much into the background. Yeah, I feel like it could have done some good progress playing a little longer. The arcade version might be the best example of the Gradius syndrome I could imagine. No, no arguing there. When you lose a life, you're done. It's nearly impossible to get back on track after you've died one time. The best thing you can do with our main ships is try and get as many points as possible before something kills you. Yeah, which is usually pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> what, what really annoyed me about the Super Nintendo version is the enemies that steal your options. That happens in the arcade version as well, but not the option impounder is only in the um, arcade version very briefly. In the Moai stage, I believe, and there's one other stage I can't you know, on top of my head, but it, it's not in the Super Nintendo version. It could happen at really almost anything past stage one. Not only because it makes the game more challenging, but because it seems that they've only created them to get control of the lag somehow. The lag control, that's a good, the option impounder, the lag reclaimer. <laughs> we'll have to think of a good name. What I really loved about both versions is great soundtrack. Like always in Konami games. Yeah, it, 
definitely a standout for this one here. Now, I say that in soundtrack, this definitely beats out from Gradius 2. But as far as between Gradius 3 and Gradius 2, I think Gradius 2 is the better game. Hmm. I think the bosses have a little bit more variation to them. Both versions are more evenly balanced on there. The graphics are really good. Again, this is like, it's Konami running on the theme. It's sort of like Gradius 1 and 2 with a new coat of paint. Sure. Yeah, so Easy Racer uh, penned some thoughts in the thread. He says, Had been busy enough that I hadn't really put time into this since the first few days of the month. Even then, I hadn't passed level 2 on normal though I did get to the plant boss on easy. Plugged in again today and tried normal again with fairly low expectations, but then got on a monster run and made it to the speed trap. I do like how the game doesn't have a lot of cheat moments, at least so far, other than the option hunter. That option impounder. In a later post he says, I haven't been able to beat my personal best yet, but wondered if anyone else changes the button alignment for gameplay. I switched to Y as the firing button and B as the power-up button, and it feels a little more natural. And uh, I probably should have tried that, and I think maybe I did at some point, uh, because especially once I started using the formation option and then doing the spread thing with that, uh, basically that's me just holding down those two buttons constantly. And, uh, eventually that does tend to wear out your thumb. And then in, uh, another later post, he says, Gradius three has continued to grow on me throughout the month. Died on the final boss of the stage eight boss rush. I dabbled in this one as a kid, but had never put serious time into it. And boy, was I missing out. It's tough but it feels like one of the most rewarding games in terms of progression. There's a good variety of levels, and there's just enough power-ups to continually build upon. I'm trying to remember how many games before this had a customizable power-up system. It's a, a, it's a welcome feature. I also love all the little extras in the game. The secret stages and ways to manipulate certain power-ups. This has been one of the most enjoyable Shmup Club months for me. And I have to add one last comment. This was a launch title, part of arguably the best launch in terms of how the games aged. Like its other SNES launches, great music, great graphics, and even though there's slowdown, I really don't think it detracts from gameplay. In fact, at times, it helps. And I would have to agree with that assessment. <laughs> uh, without the slowdown, I'm not sure I would have uh, I would have progressed as quickly as I did through the Super Nintendo version of the game. Oh, 100% agree. The slowdown really makes the Super Nintendo <clears throat> help makes it easier and definitely more enjoyable. If it had been like the arcade version, I think a lot of people <laughs> said, "Forget this. Let's go play some Super Mario World." Yeah. Huh. Now for a different side here, we're going to talk about Crabmaster 2000, also known as Krabby 2K. Gradius has never been my favorite style of shmup. It's so crazy hard to recover after a death that you get your shift beefed up again. Especially at certain points in the game, if you die, it's just so brutal. Yeah, there's definitely some points in there where you're probably especially the boss rush. Even though it gives you a lot of those little uh, zubs that you can get power-ups from, it's really hard to actually manage those 
and keep your ship powered up to the options that you want. Most of the time, I end up just like randomly sort of hitting the power up button, trying to go through as fast as I can. Yeah. Oh, look, I finally got it. Yeah, power up roulette. <laughs> it's also got some mean design, like near the final area when the roof and the floor close in on you. Yeah, that, that seems to be the case with a lot of shmups on there with the final areas. Remember with Thunder Force 4, or other, a.k.a. Lightning Force on there, that has a lot of floor closings and rearrangements on you that if you don't know it's coming, it seems a bit unfair. Yeah. I've been using the custom ship belt going with the Hawkwind, Tailgunner, Sea Laser, Reduce, and Mega Crush. Tried the shields on the run, but the Reduce is more my style. Love that smaller hitbox. Oh, yes, definitely. In the Super Nintendo version, the reduce goes a long way. <clears throat> Later post. This will be my last go at the game. I really dislike several things about Grace Life Force Salamander, but the thing I hate the most, and I'll probably put it quite high if I ever to make a list of the worst game mechanics of all time, is the areas with walls you shoot that reassemble behind you. It infuriates me. I had a great run up to the very final area and those walls started popping up and just sapped away any fun I was having. It's probably less than 30 seconds away from the end too. Does anybody like this part of Gradius? <clears throat> the parts with the walls that started just fill in behind you, they're pretty prominent in Life Force. It's definitely one of those areas where you're just going to have to do memorization in. <clears throat> memorization, it's a part of Shmups, has been for a very long time ever since R-Type. I don't think it's the future of Shmuffs, because I think the future of Shmuffs is some variation of Don Maku, or, or maybe some other play mechanic that we haven't seen, like with the um, <clears throat> wrist system. And there's something new on there where where you actually have to put yourself towards the enemy bullets. But but with Gradius 3 and the, and the play style that comes through from, which is a variation of the R-Type, you definitely have memorization coming into play, and that's going to be off-putting for Several people. I mean, even Sir Flash doesn't like the memorization in R-Type. Right. I mean, it's it's almost like playing a giant game of memory, right? Where you flip over those cards. You know, hey, I match two. Sometimes you get lucky, you match two. Sometimes you don't, and your ship gets destroyed. Huh. <laughs> it could be uh, really frustrating, and I, I totally understand it. But thank you again for playing with us. Yeah. And Vic Viper, Mark II, says, Hello, guys. I watched Game Boy Guru's stream on Gradius 3 and learned of the Shmup Club. Gradius 3 was the first game a friend of mine gave me, who's also a big Shmup nut. Even now, I fire it up every two days to keep that rhythm going and listen to those timeless soundtrack. For those of you who find that recovery after death is too difficult, here's a little tip I shared with Guru. Choose the Convert Life to Option power-up, the one directly above Full Barrier. It converts your extra lives, up to four, into options, instantly boosting your firepower considerably. To do the math, with just seven power-up chips, you'll save the need to go to get 20 for that four options, and then you only need two speed, missile, double, or laser for a total of four power-up chips to reach reach full power. Of course, to use this effectively, you need to build up your life stock. Best way is to go into the five bonus stages and collect the points and one-up chips littered around. Anyway, this is done on normal. I'd play it on arcade difficulty if only I didn't have to break my thumb mashing the A button 16 times a second just to unlock it. Cheers. <laughs> 
Thank you very much, Vic, and uh, really appreciate your participation through the month and coming out to the streams and all the tips and tricks that you gave me uh, during the course of that time. It uh, was much appreciated and definitely helped me to uh, get through more of the Super Nintendo version of the game and I think appreciate it more so. Yeah, I think that he <clears throat> forced a lot more that one that one more try you can do this <clears throat> in there. I, I almost call call him your gradius sensei, although he did teach me a lot as well. <laughs> yeah, but but it's interesting to to get a perspective from him as uh, I think I think it's safe to say after chatting with him several times during streams that this is probably his favorite shmup. Uh, the you know specifically the Super Nintendo version. Um, so anyway, uh, it was neat to have him jump in and and uh, you know join in for the playthrough. So this morning I tweeted out and I also included in the uh, in the thread uh, a question uh, with the advent of the SA1 mod, which removes the slowdown in the SNES version. What else would you change about that version of Gradius other than the slowdown? And uh, we got a handful of responses. Easy Racer posted in the thread and said, I loved what Lightning Force did with the power-ups upon death. I could see Gradius 3 doing something similar. Maybe instead of losing all power-ups, you lose one level of each. In essence, losing missile and laser, but keeping all but one option or possibly letting you choose whether to have the power bar start, uh, where to have the power bar start upon responding. And then on Twitter, MarkMSX responds and said, the checkpoint system. The checkpoints made the game harder and more annoying than if it just continued going or restarted the stage. Uh, and then again on uh, <laughs> Twitter, Vic, uh, Vic Viper, uh, on Twitter, he's VicViper1973. He said, without slowdown, it's perfect. <laughs> uh, and then uh, CollectorCast, uh, which is Duke Togo uh, from the site, he says, add in that wonderful 3D level from the arcade. And of course, he puts a little winky face after that and says, seriously, though, the only thing I would change is the default speed. If you started with what equates to one speed up, it would be a lot better. Uh, and in that sense, I would tend to agree. The default speed of the game is incredibly slow, and it's one of the one of the holdovers from the Gradius, the original Gradius game, that I think, especially as difficult as this entry is in the arcade, makes any kind of recovery effort nigh impossible, at least for me. And so I feel like by giving you that little bit of a leg up when you first start out, that you could really improve your game and have a much better chance at, at really succeeding. Now, of course, that would defeat the purpose of a quarter muncher or yen muncher, uh, so to speak, in the arcade. Uh, but in terms of gameplay balance, I, I feel like uh, a, a faster default speed would make quite a difference. So in in that, I would tend to agree. Yeah. What about you? Uh, what What do you think would be a, a a welcome change to the game? I definitely would say that the uh, 
I mean, just these types of games in general, and you know, starting even from the first Gradius, that changing the default speed to something a little bit faster on here, and I realize why they don't do it, but it would definitely be a welcome enhancement on there, so you don't feel like you're rowing across the stars, <laughs> as we previously mentioned. The other thing that I would like to see on here with this would have been maybe a, a little bit more showcasing of what this and i realize that this is a very great graphical showcase on here but i would have since they took out some of the stages i would have loved to see something with mode 7 in it. something that's going to show off i realize that hey here's the super nintendo we have big sprites we have arcade music we have reverb but you know it's just like <laughs> something on here if you're going to take away the the, the 3D stage, which I think was was probably a good idea, especially with the Super Nintendo version. But at least some, replace it with something pretty neat in there. Something with Mode 7, maybe even a Mode 7 boss or something like that. It, it, it doesn't have to be anything super fancy, but it would have definitely been welcome to see. I would have kept, kept the soundtrack as is, sorry Sir Flash, but I, I really like this one. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's an interesting take. So, let's briefly touch on the high scores for the month. Uh, looking at the arcade version, and I'm only counting the normal or arcade difficulty runs that were done. And if memory serves, both, uh, both of the high score uh, winners in the arcade version uh, are playing, were playing the PSP version. But uh, the winner was Zoido with 136,590 points. And the runner-up is D. Tungsten, with 99,040 points. Now, I will note that uh, D. Tungsten did play also on some easier difficulty levels and had higher scores, upwards of 160,000 points, uh, but I'm only counting the ones here on the normal difficulty, uh, since there, there was actually competition there. Now, I will note that uh, both D. Tungsten and myself did manage to, uh, I'll say, complete the uh, beginner course in the game on the easiest difficulty. So we were both able to one credit clear just that short three-stage run. Uh, but I don't know that he recorded his, uh, his score for that or not. And mine is on the stream, and the video is archived on YouTube, but I didn't post it in the thread. And then on the Super NES version, uh, Vic Viper Mark II had a whopping 641,500 points. And then Sir Flash came in with 530,700 points. And that was confirmed as a 1cc. I think Vix was a 1cc as well, but the screenshot, the picture that he took was at the last boss. Uh, and so I don't know if that screen showed up as he defeated the boss or what it is. But anyway. Oh, uh, the giant head, right? Yeah, the big brain head thing. Yeah. The one that goes ow or whatever. <laughs> you hit it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it's not really like an hour, it's more like, oh, or something like that, every time you hit it. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, anyway, congratulations to Zoido and Vic Viper Mark II for uh, 
winning the high score competition there in those two particular categories. And of course, uh, many thanks to all the participants who played with us during the course of the month. And uh, a great showing, uh, really, for the Schmop Club during the month of May. Thank you again to all who participated. It was really a fun month. Indeed. Well, let's uh, final thoughts on Gradius 3. Uh, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but uh, I'm of two minds about this. I think the arcade version of the game is one of those things I could see myself popping in very occasionally to just kind of see how far I can get and remind myself of just how not good I am at it and, uh, you know, give it a chance to kick my butt once or twice and then put it away or... uh, you know, especially on the PS2 version or PSP version, maybe switch over to Gradius 4 or uh, something like that. But the Super NES version, I was very pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed it and how quickly I progressed. And like I said, I think if I put some more time into this, I could probably squeeze out a 1cc on the default difficulty. And so it's very gratifying to be able to reach the final area in the game and uh you know get that close to victory even though i couldn't seize it so i really i really enjoyed the super nes version i came away with a a much stronger impression of that version of the game than i had previously and yeah like i said i'm just pleasantly surprised at at how good it is and how much i liked it And so, for me, it was worth choosing this game and playing through it for the month to kind of re-familiarize myself with it, but then also to really uh, gain a new appreciation for it. Excellent. I'm glad you had a good time with it. It was definitely a good pick. Me, I would rate the Super Nintendo version like a popcorn shmup. It's akin to like an act, what you use for an action movie, right? Sometimes you're in the mood for you say, "I want an action movie. Give me Die Hard. I want to see stuff exploding, guns firing." This to me is the Super Nintendo version of Gradius Three. You can pop it in, you can play it every once in a while. For, you have a lot of fun playing, and then you move on to something else. The arcade version is well masochist only but uh (laughs) but it's one of those things that kicks my butt and then i get i'm like you're not going to do this and i just keep there's something about it that has me keep trying over and over again and each time i inch forward little by little you know like like trench warfare little by little i take an inch at a time away from the game and maybe in 16 to 20 years i'll actually make it past stage three Yeah, it really is a war of attrition, but for some people, that's what they like. Yeah, it's very memorization-heavy, and it's something that I will definitely try my hand at again, and presumably failing, but I will keep trying on. It's If you're going to go for an option, definitely go with the Super Famicom version, but if you're in the mood for a challenge, you can't, can't get any more challenging than the arcade version. Very true. But my, I still have to say that if you're going, you're looking. And this is just my opinion. But if you're looking for a really good Gradius game, either grab the Gradius Collection on PSP, 
or grab the uh, yourself a Japanese PS One and play Gradius Gaiden. And I, I can, I'm looking forward to the day when we cover that one. Oh yeah, that'll be cool. All right, so just to let people know we have some shmups coming next. We I guess we can call these our summer series or the shmups of summer. <laughs> <laughs> We have in June 2019 Ghostblade and Ghostblade HD for the Dreamcast, Wii U, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Definitely having fun playing this one, and all the uh, back and forth talk between the soundtracks is great as well. Oh, yeah. Almost as much fun as the game itself. Huh. And in July 2019, watch out for Flying Pancakes as we try Strikers 1945 2. It's for the Arcade, Saturn, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, and Switch. I'm definitely looking forward to trying that one in July. That's definitely one of my favorite series. Yeah, that, that'll be an interesting one for me to revisit because uh, Strikers 1945-2 was the very first import shmup I ever purchased. Uh, and so it'll be good for me to put some time into it and uh, kind of come back to it. The plugging in of an old friend... Yeah, uh, in in my case, maybe more of a frenemy. (laughs) (laughs) The ghost of Psycho's past. Oh, boy. We're going to make bad memes here. (laughs) I better stop before you come out with a portmanteau. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, the portmanteau. (laughs) All right. so, So... like to shout out to Sarah Flash of Studio Muppets for the logo and for joining us for this month. We'd like to also mention that we have that logo plastered upon some very nice shirts there. And uh, I must say, I do like that orange shirt. At first, I wasn't certain, but that orange shirt is growing on me. Oh, yes, the, the one that Sarah likes to wear on stream. The orange crush orange shirt with the Shoot the Corecast logo looks really nice. Yeah, it does. I was going to say, uh, for any of you listening, if you'd like to get one of your very own, just go to redbubble.com and search for Shoot the Core or Shoot the Core-Cast, and it'll be uh, the top or one of the top results, and uh, click on the logo, and you can choose from a multitude of colors, and uh, you know help support the podcast and sport a shirt proudly. Uh, thank you. I'd like to also thank all the members of RFGen. And the RFGen Playcast, as well as all the people who play with us for the month of May. we also like to thank everybody who is playing through the 2019 RFGen NES Challenge. It takes a lot of guts to play Firehouse Rescue. Ah, huh. uh, yes. And uh, I'm slowly slogging through Adventures of Lolo 3. And uh, as we record this, I, I just cleared out uh, level 7 earlier today, which is another five floors in a boss fight. Well, good job. Let's keep up the good work. You can be doing that while you're doing Ghostblade. Hmm, something like that. I'll also want to make sure we shout out Kogasu for the intro and outro music. And then, uh, as I've mentioned multiple times during the episode, I am streaming. I'm on YouTube. You can look me up there as Game Boy Guru, And I'm streaming on Twitch. Uh, although it's backwards, it's Guru Game Boy. And so if you want to watch me play some of these games, come check it out. Sounds like fun. All right. Anything else that uh, we need to cover before we take off? Yeah, Gradius 3, uh, even with the 
options on there it, the arcade mode it, it's just it's not easy by any means but the just little by little, the fact that I, at first I was like, everything's faster than me in the beginning and able to get to the point where I could beat stage one without losing a life on normal is considered pretty darn good. And it's that type of improvement that I really like to see. Well said. Well, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next month. Uh, goodbye, and thank you for playing. 